Welcome to Game Brain. I am Matthew Robinson, and today we are going to have a special little fireside chat, uh, a little one-off episode where my very favorite member of our podcast, Jennifer Schleckburn, and I can have a conversation uh, that we wanted to have, that we wanted to finish up from a previous episode, and I'm so glad she could join us during uh, less than uh, ideal times right now. We are in separate places, but luckily I was able to figure out how to get this Skype recording going. So uh, welcome, Jennifer, and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, sure. I'm happy to do so and feel very honored. Oh, well, the honor is all mine. Thank you. So um, tell me what we shall be discussing today, Jennifer. Give us a, a little uh, a overview. Um, okay, so we had been talking a little bit around this subject, but um, what I wanted to talk about today was the difference between inclusiveness and the including of marginalized people in video games versus the lack thereof, in my opinion, of course, in my opinion, and oh. the, the more popular board games. Right. And so I wanted to talk about a current a video game that sold over a million copies that is set in the same time as Maracaibo, which is a board game that has been getting a lot of discussion about its, its using a time where marginalized people were being basically exploited and uh, abused, right? And, sure. you know, the difference between how the game Anno 1800 approached that time and the way that Alexander Pfister approached that time, right? And I want everyone to understand something. I'm using Maracaibo as an example, but this whole issue is, in my opinion, throughout Euro games. And perhaps you can say, well, they're Euro, they're from Europe and they're European. And so it's totally fine to have a pure European narrative. But this is 2020. And one would hope that board game publishers are waking up to the fact that, you know, these marginalized people actually have money and might want to participate more fully in the hobby, yet might be held back because too many of the board games have a pure European narrative. Yeah. And Is that I'm... I'm I'm very excited to hear about Anno 1800 because I, I don't know anything about it. Obviously, I'm, I'm very familiar with Alexander Pfister and his, um, admit, I think, self-admittedly problematic themes. I think even Alexander at this point now. I would be very surprised if if we see another Alexander Pfister game that's set in this time period. At least I, I would personally be shocked. But uh, tell me a little bit about Anno 1800. I, I'm, I'm very excited to hear about it. Okay, so what's cool you see, is that the Anno 1800 designers actually come from a board game exposure. The first Anno uh, game was from a board game. Oh. Anno 1602, right? And then oh, wow. another board game after 1602 was 1503. 
Okay, so th- these are board games that that blue bite. They weren't blue bite when they did the first two, but they're it's the same people. Blue came bite from, is the production you know, company. Yeah, well, no, they're the they're the devs. The they're the development the okay. company. Ubisoft is the current production company. I so. See. They've been doing these things for years, and so I guess it was December 2018 when they announced Anno 1800, and you're like, 1800? Really? But <laughs> but you have to understand how they came to it, and when you play Anno 1800 as a person who really supports marginalized people, being that, you know, my ancestors, you know, as a black woman, as an African-American, came from that time, right? And so Anno 1800 is a game that incorporates the marginalized people. Like, for example, when you start the game, you can be a freed slave, a black freed slave, right? I mean, what is the like what what style of game is this? Just so I can understand, is oh, it a strategy okay. it's game a, or it's a strategy game that is a city builder and a base builder. Okay, but you can you can play as an individual, so you could select yes, to play right. as I see. Yeah, I see. so you can select to play as. An individual, in fact, you have to select to play as an individual. There is, you know, you have to be a character. And one of the characters that they offer has the story, the narrative of a freed slave. Okay, and he has come to Europe because the game starts in Europe. And so he has come to Europe to help run, you know, uh, production thing where he's going to try to employ people as industry people and farmer people and artisan people and all of these people, right? So, you know, here you are right there. You can also be the wife of a man who died in debtor's prison. And now she's a white woman, but she's a woman, right? So, Right, and then there are other women that are, that you can play as or that you can meet within the game. And they all have stories that fit for that time. They are not just, you know, well, really, she's a man to make her female. No, they have female stories. The black, right. I, you know, go ahead. I, I, no, yeah, I, I often see an argument online that people, you know, when, when people say, well, it takes place in Europe in the 1900s, sorry, there just weren't any black people there or things right. like that. What do you want them to do? And I, right. I often think that's most likely not accurate <laughs> at right. all. Right. Well, see, okay, so now you get into Anno. One of the first people that you meet is a princess from Asia named Q-U-I-N-G. Okay. okay, she's an Asian princess. They had Asian princes in 1800. Right. Sister, where are they in your game? Right? Right. There's yeah. no reason for them not to be there. They right. were in that world at that time. Europe had yeah. encountered, right? Okay, so yeah, so then you get in to the game and one of the pirates is Anne Harlow. 
she has become a pirate because someone stole all her dad's money and she was going to be a pirate and go after commercial shipping to get her 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 money back right there is also mm -hmm. a black pirate who just came from the islands right and again right these are people who are marginalized then it, as part of every game there is a black fortune teller and voodoo this woman does mm -hmm. you know tells fortunes and she um probably does voodoo you can't interact with her in that way but she does sell very exotic items that you can buy right? so this this is going so, a lot farther than than your typical uh you know I, I often see well people make the argument i guess sometimes that like you know that just to make a character have black skin but but not change their perspective or change their experience at all is 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 tokenizing right it's not actually right. helping exactly. The, but, exactly but 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 this is saying that these these are actual historical people that were there or or would have been there in these roles and to pretend that this time is just white people is to uh is well is to rewrite history well and it's but it's also to make it the european narrative which is sure. so um, so endemic in the hobby is, you know, see, that's what make PAX Premier Second Edition so awesome. They brought in the Afghans. Yeah. And so now you're looking at the whole picture. It's no longer a, a European narrative. And, right. you know. No matter how little PAX Premier Second Edition gets played, that game will always be in my collection just for him just doing that one thing, right? Yeah, it was something I instantly noticed was, I mean, you know, in all PAX games, you're playing as an individual and, and you know, you can be you can be the British, uh, you can be the Afghani. Uh, you can be the Russian, and um, they are all extremely viable factions with very different backstories. And 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 it, you can play it without the theme, but the theme is there on every card in the flavor text. And you know he gives you this great uh, list of books you can read for further education on the subject. And I, I definitely fell in love with that aspect of the game instantly. It was just how deep the theme was and how how it could be seen from all three sides equally. Right, right, equally. It's, it's not a European narrative or the Europeans coming in to either exploit, abuse, or, you know, um, take you over, right? Sure. And I think those types of things, what I'd like Fister to do, frankly, and I don't know that he'll ever do it, but he could easily create a promo set of cards that for Maracaibo that would be inclusive. It's not hard. Right. Sure. I mean, no, I mean, know? there are there are people that were historically there that wouldn't would would be there's no reason not to add them. Right. Exactly. See, so that's what I mean. It's it's not that oh well, only European men participated in 1800 because that's just right. not true. There sure. were freed slaves. Did you know that um, Abigail Adams, John Adams' um, wife. Thomas Jefferson gave her a slave, right? So she mm -hmm. immediately freed the slave in Massachusetts, right? Mm -hmm. And sent the 
the slave to school with her kids. Right. Uh, the schoolmaster wouldn't didn't want to take the sla- the freed slave, but no, there were freed slaves. Frederick Douglass is a well known well well known if you know that time period inclusively um, freed slave. So why not? You know, yeah, sure. And, I mean, the best picture winner from a few years back, Twelve Years a Slave, was about you know obviously the the horrible story of what happened to one particular freed slave, but. Uh, definitely started in that reality. Right. And then, you know, we have La Stanza, which not only is a 100% European narrative, right, but tells you that you're going to go and go to the new world to for these new business opportunities. They make no apology. I mean, at least right. Fister apologized. Right. Yeah. No, I, I I would hope that we're at the point now where you can't just take for granted that you, you're going to make a game in this time period with only white faces and uh, be able and, to not address it. Right. But only male perspectives. Well, that too. Yeah, that's yeah. My, my wife always points out every time I bring a new board game to her, she's the first thing she points out is how many male versus female characters she sees represented in the game. Right. It's just it's impossible for her not to notice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, I'm just I want the hobby to move away from that. Video games have included people of color for years now years they they've included i mean the first sims had gay characters you know Mm -hmm. they they're you know way more forward-looking than us releasing in 2020 a game about christopher columbus and business opportunities in the new world i mean that's just sad do you feel like it's 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 throughout the video game world or do you think it's more in sort of the indie side or, the, or i mean i oh, guess no, anno no, no, 1800 no. is is a big budget game right right uh it's ubisoft they are yeah. publicly traded ea electronic arts our favorite publisher they hate is the sims and all the bioware titles that are always inclusive always right. have women you know, they have gay people. You know, that's what happened. I don't know if you're familiar with Gamergate. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to yeah. actually bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got mad because it wasn't all white guys. So, I mean, you, I mean, it seems like the, the products coming out of the video game world are doing a good job to address it. But but at least personally, in my experience, like I don't even play many online games in the video game realm because it's, it seems so rife with just toxic, racist, misogynistic, disgusting dudes. I know. Well, what has happened is that, you know, Activision, Blizzard and EA, and they have come to understand that nobody wants to play with these, these people, these nasty, negative, hateful people, you know, that, I mean, people left wow by in droves. Because of it. And so one of the vice presidents at Blizzard said, you know, we have way upped our resources toward eliminating these people because we understand that you don't want to play with these people. Yeah. And so like in Hearthstone, if you notice, 
there's only a very few things you can say in that game, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, you can't say anything. You can just sort of do, you know, that you just have a few little like, uh, like shrugs and emotions, or I, I guess everybody has their little like, well done, or things like that. Right, right. right. But you can't yeah. call people names in the game. Right. They People still let... find a way to make it toxic, though. <laughs> they right. just hit the button but over and over right. again. Right, but you can squelch them. That's right, you can squelch them. Yeah, That's right. you don't need to talk with them. I'm not going to tell you to come into the online world or not. All I can tell yeah. you is that it's a huge issue for all of the publishers. And how do you um, think, like, the the the, the actual... Like, would do you think, how do I put this? Is it like, would you rather, like the video games themselves are doing a better job of inclusivity and diversity, but do you think the people who play video, like, would you rather go to a video game convention or a board game convention? Where do you think you would find more inclusivity? Oh, you would, you would definitely, okay, because the video game world is so much bigger, yeah. then you're going to find way more inclusive people by definition right okay okay sure. so but what i rather i would rather go to a board game convention because i can get the video games at home right sure 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 um so yeah i mean i you know i really hope that that it, do you feel like we're on the right path in in, in board game development? Are nope. you seeing? Well, I mean, you know? we see a couple of like Cole World, right? Yeah. yeah. And we see him, but who else? Yeah, I was trying to put together a list of games that I thought do it really well. I mean, you know, I mean, I think Archipelago doesn't shy away too much from. I right. mean, they at least like they point it out, right? And they right, talk right. about. Right. I mean, it. they're they're kind of like packs. Premiere second edition, right? Yeah. Is that they yeah. say, hey, not everybody believes the bull. Right. And then there's obviously uh, uh, Freedom, uh, the Underground Railroad, which is, uh, you know, a, an educational game as much as a game, I would imagine. But that definitely right. is, you know, but clearly see, about those kind of Games are like, here, we'll throw you a bone. Yeah, I could see that. I can totally you know, see that. Versus, see, that's why PAX Premier is so great, is because it's not throw you a bone. Right. Yeah, it's because this is it. This is, you know, embedded in it. Just like, like, like you say, Archipelago. It's embedded in it. Right? I will now, bring uh, up... Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, now, there are a lot more games that are set in marginalized worlds, like in indigenous worlds is more accurate. So you have Terra Mara, you have, oh, is it Windaki? You have, there's other games that are not set in that, oh, that include Europeans at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. There are I, I, there are these uh, series of solo games by a designer named Joel Toppin that all take place from uh, Native American perspectives. One is called Navajo Wars, and the sequel is Comancheria: The Rise and Fall of the uh, Comanche Empire. And both of those games are about daily life of uh, American Indigenous people. And they, while there are definitely sections of the game that have to do with 
uh, battling uh, white people. It's it's not it's it's not framed through that. It's a lot of the game is how how to keep your tribe happy and how to keep your family flourishing and and the daily rituals and their religious beliefs and. You know, it's more like the nuisance of having to deal with the white man in, in, in encroaching on their territory and, and right. you know, genociding them. Um, but it's not it's not, you know, a, a Cowboys versus Indians game. It is a game about right. Native Americans. Well, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, I mean, NPI and SUSD both slammed Maracaibo. Yeah, I know. I Yeah. They definitely did. It's. I think. I mean. Hopefully, we've hit a point where you just can't. You can't not talk about it anymore. You know. And I, and I. Hopefully, that's the first step. I mean, the second step is not having ninety nine percent of board game designers be white European men. I suppose. Well, yeah. The only thing is, I will say this: Cole is a white, a white guy. I don't know if he's American or European. I th- I'm pretty sure he's American. Either Canadian or American. Pretty sure he's American. Uh, okay. Well. You don't need black people to tell black stories, right? Yeah. So, you know, I because of the way that wealth is distributed here, you almost, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have money to survive while you're designing the game, right? Absolutely, yeah. And white men are way more likely to have you know other sources of income yeah no it is it is a job that is impossible to do usually well if uh, unless you have a couple other jobs going which is going to make it harder and slower for you to get your game done right exactly and so um it's not impossible for white men to fix this uh ea is probably electronic arts it's probably all white guys (laughs) <laughs> probably pretty close yeah so yeah. you know we i mean i would love to see more people of color involved in every part of society but we don't have to have people of, to fix this problem yeah what, what it's like to me it's uh, for i think for a lot of white people that play board games and think about it, i think you know we all the default color is always a white person that you're playing at you know so i, I think it's it, it, it's hard for a lot of people to even have that sort of like wake up moment of realizing like you know what what it would be like to 99.9 percent of the games you play to never see a face right. like yours represented exactly. in that game and that's the problem that is the entire and see white people you know i led a pretty big discussion on um bgg changing their um logo yeah and oh i got i got blasted but i knew i was going to get blasted you know that i mean gamergate guys are still there but there were a lot of people who said you know i i hadn't thought about it yeah. That when I sit down to a play a board game, there's white people that I'm playing as. And so they don't, many white people don't understand. And not, I'm, I'm not saying ra- that they're racist or whatever, but they don't understand what it's like to walk into a room and nobody looks like you. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, when yeah. I first started playing, I went to a con. I was the only woman and the only person that wasn't white. Yeah. <laughs> but I went anyway, but yeah. it takes it takes bravery. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, the not not just the only African American, the only woman. That's right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't bode well for our community back then. Yeah, wow. No, but you know, uh, the the L.A. cons are great. There's, I mean, there's women in the war gaming room. There's women playing miniatures. There's women yeah. everywhere. Yeah, no, we, and it's. It's still one of, I think, the big barriers to FLGS is really becoming, you know, important parts of their communities is that, you know, you walk in and it's, yeah, yeah, you walk into one and nine out of 10 times, it's just a bunch of white guys sitting at tables playing Magic the Gathering and stuff, you know? Right. And, and it doesn't feel inclusive and particularly, see, there's always the person of color aspect, but that's different than the woman aspect. Absolutely. You walk in yeah. there and you don't know if you're going to be harassed, hit on, all this shit. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. All of this stuff. And um, you, don't, you don't know. Yeah. Or, or, or best case scenario, just, just taught a game you already know how to play or, or <laughs> explained it to you like you've never played it before. Right. Well, do you know that one person at the con chased off my good friend because of that? Oh, uh, really? Uh, a good friend of mine loves Titan, right? Sure. Yeah, classic. She's excellent at it. Classic. She would try to get into the tournaments, and every single tournament, the same guy would mansplain it every time. And so she quit playing in the tournaments. Wow. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, I think in these days she could have just complained to the owner, right. especially, and he would have made sure that that person never played Titan again in the tournament. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, Eric's a great guy. Never, never have any issues. Good. So. Wow. Well, would you uh, would you recommend Anno eighteen hundred for? I oh. mean, I'm I'm excited to play it. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, it you know I've been playing it since. See, oh, by the way, they also did the first Settlers game for a video, and it's not oh. really much. Yeah, it's not really much like Settlers of Catan. Right. But it was clear they they had played it. So I'm a huge fan of them from, you know, the early 90s. So, of course, I would recommend it. But, oh, the other one that's very inclusive is the one that came before is 2205. But 2205 is sci-fi. So people may not like sci-fi. You know, but if you like sci-fi and you're looking for inclusiveness in a base builder, a city builder, it absolutely will meet that requirement. I thought I probably played it. I don't know. I think I played it for 400 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I can look it up because these are see, these are PC only. I, I imagine, right? Uh, I don't know because I only have a PC. Right. I, right. I think these are, I mean, these are probably pretty, uh, need your uh, uh, keyboard and mouse, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. No, 
they are PC as in personal computer, but yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if they're on Mac or not. Right, right. Sure, sure, sure. So, wow. yeah. Well, you uh, you getting much gaming in these days, Jennifer? Well, Bruce has been sick. Oh, I'm so, sorry to no. hear that. Yeah, no, okay. just a stomach virus. He went to the doctor, yeah. so nothing, you know, no yeah, corona. Yeah. But um, he has not been playing. So, no, I have not gotten. Oh, oh no, that's not true, though. I did do a tabletop simulator for On Mars last night. And that Ooh. was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, it was really good. Okay, I might. If you guys do that again, let me know. If, I, if, well, I, if the um, kids are asleep, I'd love to give it a whirl. Right. Uh, I can ask. Uh, Candace, if I can send you an invite to the Discord where we organize the games. Oh, great. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's not my Discord, so I yeah, have yeah, sure, sure. to ask her. But yeah, um, last night we played on Mars. It was, I did horrible, but it was, <laughs> uh, it was great. Um, you know, I, I wish that our group would get a Discord as I email Tom to tell him and that way we could organize TTS games. Yeah, we should have our pri- a little private Discord. I-, I can set that up. Tom's not the Discord guy. I can I can make that happen, but yeah, okay, we could also, yeah. you know. Yeah, we could maybe make a little private section in our and, game and Discord We too. could still do it Tuesday into Friday and That's he right. could still talk about our tabletop simulator games. There you go. Yeah, we can keep this keep this going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as as soon as uh, as soon as this quarantine is over, I would really love to to uh, take you up on your request of uh, of teaching you and Bruce uh, War of the Ring and and coming over and sharing that game with you because I I yeah. really love that game. Yeah, yeah. I don't. We don't know when it's going to be over. That's the thing. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but um, in the meantime, I, uh, wait a minute though. I think I. I think War of the Ring is on Tabletop Simulator. Oh, we could give that a whirl. Yeah. All right. No, it's an amazing yeah. game. I think you'd really like it. Well, we love Lord of the Rings. I mean, Bruce did uh, did the first video game for Lord of the, the Rings. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yep. Really, really. Wow. That's cool. And then my son is named Strider. So we got right. some Lord of the Rings exactly. fans here. <laughs> exactly. Wonderful. All right. Well, shall we call this a wrap, Jennifer? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, because it's, it was very specific, you, we don't yeah. need you know, two, two hours. Right? Well, I'm I'm really I'm really glad we're able to do this, and um, and thank you for bearing with me on the technical side of this as I figured out how to record on Skype. Oh, that's totally uh, fine. Hey, what else do I have to do, right? <laughs> we do have time on our hands right now. Absolutely. Well, I I, I really really appreciate you uh, talking with me about this, and I'm I'm so glad we could get this uh, subject covered and and uh, get this out on our stream this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, very happy about having this platform. And I'm very happy that you invited me to talk about a somewhat controversial subject. Sure, of course. Well, again, honored that you you wanted to have that conversation with me. 
So I hope uh, I hope Bruce feels better quickly, and uh, you guys are back to gaming as soon as possible. All right. All right, Jennifer. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>